Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu certificate to learn more. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I didn't really want to come to Rise. I was actually forced to come to Rise through a summer program uh, internship where they give out jobs. And so um, I wanted to work somewhere else. Case manager said no, I had to come to Rise. I was very quiet when I came here. I didn't talk to anybody, not even the people I was on the team with. I barely spoke. She was a serious girl walking around the hallway. I mean, I tried saying hi, but you know, she just smiled. That, yeah, that was a thing. I'll be like, hey. She'll be like, I'll be like, okay. Let's keep walking. My name is Dalia Ramos, and I'm from Richmond, California. I'm 23. Uh, My name is Jamika Henderson. I'm from Richmond, California, and I'm 25. I'm Ki Sung. And I'm Katrina Schwartz, and you're listening to the MindShift Podcast, where we look at the future of education and what it means for our kids. In a previous episode, we explored individual trauma. We learned how schools and parents are trying to diminish the effects of adverse childhood experiences through trauma-informed teaching and parent-child interaction therapy. Today, we're in Richmond, California, to talk about healing trauma at the community level. I know, that sounds ambitious. Community is a big, all-encompassing thing. But if you ask people working in trauma at policy levels and on the ground, they often talk about the RISE Center. It's spelled R-Y-S-E. It's a youth center in Richmond that's advancing big goals of community transformation and addressing the change that starts really small. Here again are Jamiki Henderson and Dahlia Ramos talking about how they got to know each other. I was 20, he was 19. We were balance buddies, and we were still interns, and I think that's when we really got close. Um, So it was a lot of things that we talked about that was going on in life that we kind of helped each other balance with. At Rise, a balance buddy is someone who checks in on you and makes sure you're okay. Here's a sample of what Jamikia and Dahlia check in about. Everything happens every day in our lives. Everything is recent, whether it's the killings that happen in Richmond, the recent stopping at the detention center from functioning for a day or 
the situation with your dad, the situation with my dad. Yes, Jamigia mentioned killings. More on that later in the episode. But first, let's talk about Rise. RISE is not a typical youth center. They're based in Richmond, a city that consistently ranks high in violent crime statistics. The city's most visible landmark is that swath of oil refineries you see from the freeway. RISE is out front about its goals, to transform with love and meet the needs of young people based on what they want. That's one RISE member working with a mentor in the recording studio writing a rap song. You could just keep going. Um, I'm trying to think of other lyrics to play on it. You can add on to it, it's fine. Plus, this is not the original beat that we're going to use. I think this is what we need to change. RISE also has a computer lab, a garden, classes, health services, things young people in Richmond said they wanted, and they get them for free. RISE is where Jamikia first got hold of a video camera. It's where she learned how to direct and edit videos. I was given the opportunity to just explore imagination and was able to like have this gift of visualizing something and making it come to life through camera. I asked Jamikia to explain her vision for a music video she directed and edited when she was 21. The song is called Change Gun Cup by Zay Beats. In this scene, we see the little boy, the young boy, like his brother just got home from jail or juvenile hall and his mom, who was also in the scene, wants him to do better. He clearly still is out there getting caught up in something. He takes his little brother with him. They actually, uh, the little brother and the young man in the scene before that was selling drugs, actually make eye contact. So you kind of see the connection between all these young men. So all three of these young men get to meet over a period of time and at the end they all come together for a greater cause of like we're not going to do this we're not going to play into the influences of our older siblings or of people we respect in the neighborhood and, and did you um learn any of this at school or extracurricular activities no none of this came from school <laughs> i um i learned everything that i know about video period from rise you would have just asked the adults, and we would have gone with what we thought young people needed. It was all education and career. That's Kanwar Paul Dhaliwal, RISE's associate director and co-founder. A couple of years ago, with the help of faculty at UC Berkeley, she and some colleagues ran a survey and reached 500 young people in the community, ages 13 to 22. Nearly all of them said that gangs and gun violence were the biggest problem in their lives that the violence they experience makes them feel hopeless and trapped. About one-third reported turning to substance abuse as a coping strategy. Dollywall says that when they asked young people what youth in Richmond need most, they kept hearing terms like safety and creative expression. 
Jessica Wolin, who researches community health at San Francisco State University, says data collection has to be a part of any strategy for bringing positive change to traumatized communities. You have to capture, in concrete terms, what it is that people are experiencing. RISE is a wonderful model of both acknowledging individual-level trauma and seeking to change the structural harms that are the root beneath the individual-level trauma. They are a wonderful example of how information, when gathered by community members and used to advocate for change that they believe in, that then results in change, is an extremely healing process for people. Wolin says the reason it's important to address community trauma is that the greater community should be another potential layer of support for kids who are hurting. We so often place the burden on individuals, on teachers to double as counselors, or on parents to be all-knowing and present 24-7. It would be a huge expectation to think an individual could make up for what is missing in communities where there is harm being done at the level of this kind of trauma. And we need policy approaches, systems approaches, to address the tremendous injustice that has been done to communities all over the Bay Area where we have segregated people, we've created islands of poverty um, in a region of tremendous wealth and opportunity. Community support can create that resilience for a child who doesn't get what's needed at home or school. Take, for instance, Dahlia's school experience, where she said teachers didn't care. They taught you what needed to be taught. If you didn't want to learn, you can leave the class. They didn't care what you were going through. Like My parents were separating. My mother was fighting. I probably didn't see my mom the whole day until the night when I didn't even want to see her no more because we would just argue. They didn't know that, you know? I'm curious, um, what were the actions of the teachers that made you think they didn't care? They would send me out of class, for the example of not having a pencil. Um, If I was talking to my friend, because that was the only time I had that class with her, and she was my friend, I wanted to tell her everything that was going on. It's like, you need to stop talking. I was like, well, I wouldn't stop. I'm that person that just talks, and I don't care. And I would talk back to the teacher, so they would send me out. You know, it's like, well, what's so important you need to talk about now? Well, pull me to the side and ask me that by myself, and I'll tell you. But if you're going to ask me in front of this class, you're just trying to put me on the spot. And, like, what, what is the point of that? You think I'm going to tell you what's so important that I need to tell my friend? Because you're not going to ask me. Or I would, like, ditch class and go hang out in the bathroom because I did not want to go to class. You know, and it's because I didn't feel welcome there. I didn't feel like they cared. I I didn't feel like they thought I was smart enough to even be in the class. Which, honestly, the class was easy. I could do it. I just didn't want to do it because there's other things I had to think about. And wouldn't really, I couldn't really focus. But after spending time at RISE, her feelings towards learning, her attitude about going to her school every day, that all changed. RISE has school counseling services, but it wasn't just advice Dahlia was seeking. Just the attention that they give you, you know, they notice me. Um, I think that I, I really felt the love because sometimes I, I, didn't, I feel like when they notice me outside of RISE, other people, 
it was like for the bad things. But here it's like, okay, we see the bad things, but we also see the good things. The good things. Dahlia began using RISE services for school. She started getting counseling and academic help at RISE. Her counselors helped her fill out college applications and financial aid forms. And ultimately, she got into California State Universities. I was like, what? Like, I got into one of them kind of schools? And like, you know, I stayed there one semester. But either way, you know, I got in and that's something I didn't think I could do. And it's because Rice told me, you can do it, just do it. And they gave me well, the tools and the you know, things to do it. A persistent mentor, an adult, outside of family, who saw Dahlia and believed in her, that made all the difference. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us to learn more about Jamikia's journey. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. You're listening to the Mind Shift Podcast. I'm Ki Sung. Um, where I was in my life was I was, I was very angry. Such a mean teenager. That was Jamikia Henderson when she came to Rise at 18. One of her first interactions was with Dan Riley. I remember like having many conversations with Dan, um, who was my supervisor, telling me like, okay, because we had these staff evaluations and I was still young, like <laughs> I think I was like 19 when we started doing staff evaluations and I did not have not one good one. It was like no fault to any staff at the time, um, but it was just like, you know, my attitude or how I come into a space or, you know, how I'm not talking to most people. You know, it affects people. So it was more so not faulting me for coming off that way or feeling that way, but also like helping me acknowledge that that's how I was coming off to people and to be like everybody changes and there's always opportunity to change. He saw more passion and dedication in me than I saw in myself and that I'm not allowing other people to see. And that even though my evaluation is not, you know, he didn't use his words, but like good, doesn't mean that I don't have an area to learn and to change. And that this is just one 
step in my journey of becoming a better person and a better filmmaker. Where do you think the message could have been growing up? Like, do you think back and wonder, like, why wasn't it there the other 18 years? Because uh, I grew up in a family where uh, you don't talk about most stuff like that. You don't talk about, like, it wasn't very encouraging. It wasn't one of those, like, you know, you're going to grow up and you're going to change and you're going to do this, you're going to do that. It was more so like, okay, well, you're going to grow up and life going to get hard and don't do this and don't do that and don't be like this. Um, you don't really think about emotional stability, mental stability, spiritual stability, financial. You don't think about that. Or at least that didn't come up in my, in my upbringing as a child. Um, there was some love there. There was some love that wasn't there. Um, and I think a lot of times in families, especially in like low income families, a lot of stuff is not talked about because it wasn't taught to them. I guess you could say it's part of culture, but I say it's part of the cycle because the culture that we have and that regardless of any race, the culture that we have in Richmond is that, you know, we're family at the end of the day and there's love there, but it's how do you show it? And the way that Dan showed like how he cared about like my journey I didn't have at home so to have that dynamic of rise of always like how are you doing do you want to talk or let's just take a walk let's go to Starbucks and just showing like the genuine care that sometimes you don't get in families or friends The caring persistence from Rye's mentors helped Jamikia break down some of her walls. They knew how to help her. They understood her and knew what she needed to heal. That's important because when tragedy strikes someone in a community, it ripples out. And what happens in the community affects the individual. Here's Jamikia. Like you go to school with almost everybody. So if you lose a person, that's close to you. You went to school. Y'all got to be at school each other, what, eight hours a day? You know, like, you tend to get to that person regardless of where they're from. So when you lose them in the community in the hands of gun violence, it's going to hurt a lot of people. For instance, like, I lost one of my best friends. He was only 16. I lost him. The whole school shifted, like, completely because he made such an impact in a lot of people's lives just by being who he was. And was he connected to some things? Of course. Like, he just, he came from a side of Richmond that was just what it was, you know? And unfortunately, it comes with the territory is what people let us say. It comes with the territory. So, losing him shifted the dynamic of the whole entire school. And I felt that. And I knew, like, you can just tell one day, like, it was so sunny. And then... After he had passed, like that next day we came to school, it was cloudy. Nobody had a smile on their face. Nobody was happy. It was just like such, it was such a draining moment. And you couldn't help but be stuck in that because you know, like you just lost like such a big part of the community that you created at school. Same thing in the neighborhood. When people leave us, like, we're losing a part of what made us a whole. 
and then have to go on like nothing ever happened for it to happen again and then go on like nothing ever happened. And what's the name of your friend? Jean Deshawn Grisby Bill. It takes time and persistent caring to help people understand what's going on in their lives. So first and foremost, it's when we ask, how are you doing? We really want to know. That's Kamwar Paul Dhaliwal again, co-founder and associate director of RISE. And we really want to know how can we support you? How can we help you stay if you feel good? Like what's helping you feel good and at peace and connected? And if you're not, well, we're here to sit with you. Right, like we're witness and we're validating. And we also, when it makes sense, want to push and challenge you with love to think about what could be different. What agency might you have, even in a world where, like, you know, everything is sort of forced and you don't have much control. At Rise, we want to build that with each person, but also collectively and in our community. So we're building loving power in a way that really shift the conditions that brought about Rise. But helping the community build that loving power means facing a difficult truth. Adults are often the source of many troubles young people experience. It's what Jamikia was trying to convey in her music video. A lot of the work on adverse childhood experiences, like trauma and violence, brings the focus to kids. But those who work with young people really understand the importance of healing adults. The pain is transferred from one generation to the next through individual behavior, local policies, rules at school. We're bringing all our stuff. Adults, we're a mess, right? We're a mess, but we have more power and more leverage, and that makes us sometimes more dangerous. Dollywall says in order to help young people, adults also have some work to do. RISE has a series of free training sessions hosted in Richmond that's targeted at adults. Now, as a result of our exposure to social toxicity, uh, uh, social toxins and social toxicity, we, um, it sits with us. Uncertainty, fear, anxiety. During one session, professor and author Sean Ginwright pressed about 150 members of the community to reflect on how they see themselves. What happened to you when you were 15? What happened to you? what you saw when you were 10 years old. Y'all follow me? That stays with us. We try to bury it, we try to sweep it under the rug, we try to do something, push it aside. We presume that as adults, because somehow we've reached adulthood, we are fixed. (laughs) Helping adults is a big leap from what could typically be seen as work for a youth center. But in the end, It's what young people in Richmond want, and RISE goes to great lengths to really listen to them. Here's Dolly Wall. I think the thing about RISE is so critical. We're a youth center, but we're about healing community, and that means adults. So adults are just as transformed by the space. Like, it has to be that to, again, be loving. If it's only about you know, a uh, one direction to serving young people, but there's not something else we're doing or being open to, then yeah, we become kind of those widgets and those sort of focus areas of work, but without being connected to the whole. Adults are hearing the message. Even though Richmond is a cash-strapped city with its share of budget shortfalls, voters, at the urging of RISE and other local organizations, passed measures earlier this year to create more youth services. 
to make accessible to more young people experiences like what Jamikia had at Rise. Here she is again, reflecting on her future. Well, I wanna, I'm going to own my own production company. I'm in the process of really just creating content for myself, like as a filmmaker, while also still teaching the importance of expression and healing and growth here at Rise through video and mentoring young people that want to do video and giving them opportunities to really excel in themselves. Um, And also like, to be very honest, for them to take my job. Like, I remember coming here and the point was for me to take their job. (laughs) And they made it very clear, like, we want you in this position because we know for a fact that you will take it somewhere that eventually we can't. And I feel like that's just where I'm at right now is like, I've ran this course for almost eight years and I know for a fact that I'm not too in my head or I don't think I'm like the best to where I can't have somebody else come in and take it even further than what I can. Cause I know like at the end of the day, my goal is to get a film in Sundance or travel the world with my films or do movies and own my own production company. You've been listening to the MindShift Podcast. I'm Ki Sung. And I'm Katrina Schwartz. Our editor is Jacob Conrad, and Seth Samuel is our audio specialist. Holly Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. Ethan Lindsay is our executive editor for news. Special thanks to Jamikia Henderson, Dahlia Ramos, Kanwarpal Dhaliwal, and all the staff and members of the Rye Center in Richmond for sharing their knowledge and experiences with us. Thanks also to Jessica Wolin, whose research on trauma-informed community building identifies effective strategies, like those deployed at RISE, for community change. If you want to know more about community trauma, she recommends reading the work of Howard Pinderhues and his groundbreaking research on the other ACEs, Adverse Community Experiences. Howard Pinderhues is a professor at UC San Francisco. Thanks also to Rise and Zay Beats for sharing this song, Change Gonna Come. Yeah, look. Raised in the war zone, grew up with bad habits. Think about it, it's amazing how long I've lasted. Shit gets out of hand when there's never a helping hand. Thanks also to Seal Muller, Paul Ancor, and Julie Kane here at KQED. And if you want to stay in touch for more stories about teaching and learning, subscribe to this podcast. And while you're on your favorite podcast app, let us know how we're doing by rating us or leaving a comment. Your feedback helps us figure out what to cover next. See you next time. Waiting for a change and one last thing to leave y'all thinking. If we was all the same color, what would be different? Now please. I'm going to claim life. I'm going to claim freedom. freedom. I've been through every type of pain, but I'm still here. I'm still Breaking here. every type of change, I have no fear. No Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey. 
It's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.